Richard Nixon. Well, I'm not a crook. Ronald Reagan. Tear down this wall. George W. Bush. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And Donald Trump. And a friend of mine for a long time, he uh, only likes politics. If you ask him about how are the Yankees doing, he has no interest. If you ask him almost anything, he likes politics and he's a professional at the highest level Roger Stone. All of these presidents relied on one man to secure their seat in the Oval Office. That man is Roger Stone. This is the Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. And welcome. I'm Roger Stone. And you are on The Roger Stone Show. We have an amazing show for you today. Joining us uh, momentarily, General Michael Flynn, uh, one of the greatest men I have ever known, uh, a victim of the Mueller witch hunt, the Russian collusion delusion. And then later, she's headed to the Big Apple. Carrie Lake joins us right here on The Roger Stone Show. So buckle your seatbelt. Uh, if you're uh, listening to us, of course, you can find us at 770 on the AM dial, uh, or you can listen to us at WABCradio.com. Uh, and I strongly urge you to go get the WABC Radio app because the lineup here is beyond belief. Of course, you've got Sid Rosenberg in the morning, a must hear. Uh, Larry Kudlow, my friend of 20 years, the quarterback of Donald Trump's re-turbocharging the U.S. economy, the queen of gossip, Cindy Adams. Uh, if you're a night owl, you want to check out Frank Morano on the other side of midnight. Uh, Rita Crosby, somebody who knows her way around. Uh, the great Joe Piscopo on weekends. But you really don't want to miss the Cats Roundtable. Every day at 5 o'clock, Sunday mornings at 8, kind of sets the table for the whole day or the entire Sunday, uh, must hear the Cats Roundtable. So if you're listening now, please just take a minute to either text or call one of your friends and tell them to either go to 770 AM on the AM dial or to go to the WABCradio.com app so they can hear this amazing show. Uh, I want to leave as much time for our guest as possible because, well, we have been inundated with texts and emails with suggested questions. Uh, General Michael Flynn and I became friends via text, but it was almost a year and a half before we actually met. You see, we were both standing trial in the same D.C. federal courthouse. We were both subjects of a witch hunt, uh, a bogus Fugazi prosecution designed to destroy us. Really wasn't us they were after, it was President Donald J. Trump. Now that I have gotten to know him, I can honestly say that General Michael Flynn is one of the greatest Americans it has ever been my privilege to know. Uh, he is not only an outspoken American patriot, but he is a geopolitical genius. And I predict to you, without fear of contradiction, that General Michael Flynn's greatest days of public service, in my opinion, lie ahead. General Flynn, thank you so much for coming on the Roger Stone Show. Roger, thanks for having me. What a what an honor it is to be on uh, what I what I believe 
uh, as we go into 2024 with this presidential, the most consequential presidential election we are going to have in our in our nation's history, that uh, this show, your show, is going to turn into the best political analysis that anybody can find, and and I mean that. And uh, I've been I've been riding with you now for a few years, and boy, I'll tell you, your insights uh, have just been so spot on. Uh, one of these days, too, I think. Because I, I hear the I hear the name Fagazi all the time, Fagazi, right? Fagazi this, Fagazi that. I think that that would be another. You, you probably ought to spend an hour show talking about Fagazi and who Fagazi is, what Fagazi means, and, and and what is it, what does it mean for the country? Well, for New Yorkers, of course, it means phony. Exactly. There, there, there's a lot of argument about the origins of that word. You're right. We could do an entire <laughs> show on it, but. We've got more important things to talk about today. Now, politics is always about the future, never about the past. But it's important to kind of walk through, at least quickly, the horrific persecution of you and your family. I myself have experienced this, but I've talked enough on this show about that. Uh, let me kind of start here. You were present on January 6, 2017, at the Trump Tower meeting with President-elect Donald Trump, when CIA Director John Brennan, NSA Director Clapper, and FBI Director Comey briefed Trump on the, quote, intelligence that Russia had interfered in the election by stealing Democratic Party emails. Uh, did you find that briefing convincing? I, I did not find it convincing. And the other person that was in that, uh, on that briefing, uh, actually, I had set it up in Trump Tower, uh, and I had coordinated because they had reached out to me as the incoming National Security Advisor, Jim Clapper, actually personally reached out. I did not find that that uh, presentation convincing. Mike Rogers from the National Security Agency, Admiral Mike Rogers, was also there. He actually did the majority of the of the presenting. And uh, I can tell you specifically, because I asked the question to make sure that President Trump understood, uh, President-elect Trump at the time understood that I asked the question, how confident are you in this information? And, and good for, uh, for Mike Rogers, for Admiral Rogers. Uh, he, he, you know, he described his level of confidence as being moderate, meaning, you know, that he wasn't, he wasn't convinced, uh, that the intelligence that they had was, uh, was worth a damn, frankly. Well, the others, Brennan, uh, Clapper, Comey, uh, they, they, you know, you could tell they were squirming in their seats a little bit. And what, what was, what was more, um, Interesting to me, and what we have learned since that that famous presentation to Trump up on uh, up in Trump Tower uh, on the sixth of January of 2017, is the meeting that was held in the Oval Office the day prior. Okay, that's the that's where very very now famous meeting. We have all of the suspects. We have all of the uh, we have a, you know 90 percent of the evidence uh, that has already been uh, exposed, and that meeting was with Obama. Biden, Comey, Clapper, Brennan, Susan Rice, uh, Sally Yates, Deputy Attorney General. And, they, and the entirety of that meeting was to figure out how to get rid of General Michael Flynn, the guy that is speaking right now, which which initially everybody that the reporting at the time, people were reporting on it as though, you know, they're having this meeting and this meeting is about is about, uh, you know, the, the presentation to Trump the next day. That was only part of what that meeting was about. The main effort for that meeting on the 5th of January 2017 was to figure out how do we get rid of General Michael Flynn? How do we remove him 
as fast as we can from a from a critical position as national security advisor. That we already know to be true. That has come out in not only the Durham uh, report, but Durham's um, recent recent hearing. And, and much of the evidence that we were able to fight for and expose while I was uh, fighting back, uh, trying to get my case dismissed from a, uh, a judge who was, uh, you know, became judge, jury and executioner that uh, that, it, you know, exposed the, 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 the corruption in our judiciary for the world to see in the uh, in the likes of Judge Sullivan back in my case. So so that that meeting on the 6th. Uh, it, it was uh, it was initiated really a prior, but but principally by an Oval Office meeting on the fifth, and we now know the conspiracy, not conspiracy theory, Roger, the conspiracy to basically undermine a duly elected president of the United States, President Donald J. Trump, to undermine him at that time, and that's the dates. Those are the critical dates that that conspiracy came. Uh, into fold here. One of the one of the big big disappointments for Durham, from from my perspective, and this is where I think the House, you know, if they if they have the guts to do it, uh, that but one of the things that Durham did not do, and it clearly came out during his hearing, was he did not bring in any of those characters that I just mentioned. He should have he should have actually brought in Obama. He should have brought in Biden. He should have brought in Comey. McCabe is another one. Strzok is another one. Those are just other names that that are part and parcel. Certainly Comey, Brennan, and Clapper, Yates would have been another, uh, Rice would have been another under subpoena, and question them uh, while he was doing his investigation, but he failed to do that. So uh, to me, to me, of, of all of the, you know, there, there's, some, there's some silver linings in the Durham report. There's some silver linings in the, uh, in the uh, hearing, but I actually now believe that this, this, this to me, is, a, is just a one massive, massive cover-up by uh, the Department of Justice uh, and and John Durham, you know, to me, based on what the, my reading of what he was told to do by uh, by Bill Barr, the, the Attorney General, uh, toward the uh, you know third part of uh, Trump's Trump's administration, he John Durham failed his mission. He failed his mission to basically execute what he was directed to do, and he by failing that mission, he is. He is causing the, the American people to now have to drive ourselves to drive at least the House of Representatives to to uh, at least initiate impeachment proceedings against uh, against President Biden. And I, I, I find it I, I find it very, very difficult. I personally find it difficult to even say President Biden. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'll give him that because of the, you know, the madness that we experienced during 2020. But uh, everybody knows that uh, that what we are, you know, there's, there's nobody wearing Build Back Better baseball hats, Roger. Okay, there, there's nobody out there, you know, in the country that you see wearing those that kind of that kind of uh, you know cap on their head, touting the fact that they love this guy. I mean, the, the, no one. So we have, to me, this is my right to, to say it. I, you know, we still have the First Amendment, the freedom of speech. I, I believe we have an illegitimate president in the White House. I believe that we have people. And, and 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 just look at what we know in terms of the alleged bribery scheme that he and Hunter are now uh, a part of. And this is just so outrageous. It's so outrageous. So we, we must now, as Americans and as and as uh, citizens, we now have to, to reflect on 
on what is it that we can do, right? What can we do? Because we, we clearly see elected officials, particularly at the federal level, who a lot of them are, are listening to your show because they're, they want the insights that, that you know, you as this, as this political master, this political genius, you know, has. They want to know what is it that the American people are upset about. Well, I can tell you, the American people are, are, are upset about a range of things. And, and I would tell you that we have two things that our founders gave us. One is courage. Our founders made the decision to demonstrate courage. But the second thing that our founders gave us and put it into the DNA of every American is something called accountability. And we must be held accountable. We, we, we hold ourselves accountable, and we have to hold those people who are elected officials accountable. And so now I'm, I'm, I'm pressing really on the House of Representatives because we still have a majority there. You must hold this White House. You must hold others in the previous administration to President Trump accountable. These people, they joined together prior to Trump taking office in 2017. They joined together to collude, conspire, whatever the legal word is, to undermine a duly elected president of the United States. And that still goes on. The, the cascading effect of what they started and one of the things that we learned from Durham was in July of 2016. Actually, I think the exact date is 3 August 2016, where Barack Obama was briefed on the on the fake intelligence, the fake information that 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 uh, that was promulgated by the Hillary Clinton campaign, by Hillary Clinton herself. He was briefed then, and then they all carried it. They all basically carried the message that it was all about Trump for the next five years. Six years. We are still feeling the pain. And, of course, my uh, my friend Donald J. Trump, he is also feeling the pain, him and his family. And that's one of the things that these people care less about. They care less about the families. They care less about my family. They care less about all the families that were affected by this. And, and the Trump family and President Trump, who's leading this nation in the polls right now, bar none, even even on you know both sides of the aisle, he they they still attack him. And that's the that's the cascade that began for me now the timing for this cascade coming coming uh, against the American people started when Barack Obama was briefed on this fake report from the Hillary Clinton campaign by John Brennan in the White House 3 August 2016 and the people that were in that office at that time were the same suspects that were there in uh, on the 5th of January of 2017 so we're dealing with with all of that, and we're yet because I really do want to take a few minutes to just jump into the sort of the geopolitical landscape globally, because we are being we are being uh, we're being led down a path where we have all these other emergencies around the world, these distractions, and I want people to understand that the the crescendo of noise, this this noise that is. That continues to to uptick to a crescendo. That crescendo has not reached its its uh, its zenith yet. It has not reached its its you know the 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 moment of true crisis yet. But the stuff that's going on over in Ukraine, all this noise that just happened. I mean, the Wagner Group who who just staged a a, a mercenary group of people who just tried to stage a coup in Russia. You know, it, it, when we look at all of that, when we look at all the background of that, we had people, we had people in the mainstream media, Roger, championing the Wagner Group, which is a bunch of mercenaries 
who are who are only loyal to money. So whatever you think, what happened just in the last couple of days is an extension of of this endless war where the there are there are neocons and there are neolibs. There's people on both sides of the aisle who love war. We have got to stop the dying. Uh, uh, I think it's an NBC article where where uh, Joe Biden is talking about the use of nuclear weapons. I mean, so so that's that's one aspect. And then we jump over to the other side of the world where we have China, China not just uh, uh, breathing down the throats of uh, of an independent Taiwan, but China is now it, it appears now is going to initiate a second Cuban Missile Crisis in Cuba again, okay, where China is now talking about not only doing intelligence collection capabilities from, from Cuba, but they're also talking about put, uh, putting on the, on the island of Cuba of what I would describe as offensive military capabilities. And I, I said a little bit tongue-in-cheek the other day, Roger, that China really doesn't even need to do all that because they've infiltrated the, every, every reach of our, of our government to include right inside the White House, right? I mean, the Chinese have have us by you-know-what. And, and uh, when this latest text by, uh, by Hunter says it all, it says it all. But the Chinese are now going to do something that's kind of an in-our-face, and it's going to be on, on the island of Cuba. And then we're going to say, China, you know, we're going to beat our chest. You know, the Biden's going to beat his chest and say, we can't. We can't have China doing this. You're going to have the State Department saying things. And then China's going to turn right around and give us the, the, you know, the big middle finger, and they're going to go, well, look, you guys are, are talking about use of nuclear weapons on the frontiers of Russia. China and Russia are great allies right now. They're probably the two leading allies. If we, go, if we were, had to go into a, a war against a, uh, another global alliance, the two leads in that global alliance would be China and Russia never mind a whole bunch of other nations that represent over 50% of the world's population. So we, we have a, a geostrategic map, and I haven't even mentioned the border. We haven't, we'll, I haven't even we'll, mentioned we'll, the invasion we'll, we'll, we'll of the border. We'll, we'll get yeah. there. We'll get there. Folks, if you're just tuning in, this is the Roger Stone Show on WABC Radio, and I'm introducing General Michael Flynn, retired lieutenant general, the 24th U.S. National Security Advisor for Donald Trump. Uh, and uh, we're going to get into a lot of those geopolitical questions. Uh, it is uh, meaningful to me that when President-elect Donald Trump met with President Barack Obama, Obama's advice to him was, he said, uh, uh, Mr. Trump, you can appoint anybody you want to your cabinet, anybody you want to your government, but the one guy you should not appoint is General Michael T. Flynn. And thank God for the fact that Donald Trump had the courage to turn around immediately and appoint you as his national security advisor. I personally happen to believe that they conspired to fire you because they recognize your expertise and intelligence and that you would be the one guy who could see through the falseness of the entire Russian collusion hoax. Now, I know you have a lawsuit pending against all of these perps, it is extraordinarily difficult to sue the federal government. I think you have found a way to do that. But I, I don't want to talk about the past as much as I, I want justice for mm -hmm. you and your family, just as I want justice in my own case. But let's get back to what happened yesterday in Russia, because many, many people are confused. 
There are some who speculated that this was a CIA-inspired operation to destabilize Putin. There are others who argued that this was staged by Putin for some internal political reason. The mainstream media, who are essentially cheerleaders for the corrupt Zelensky government, argue across the board that Putin is now weakened. What happened yesterday? Put this in terms that my listeners can understand. Yeah, so first of all, the, the Wagner Group is a mercenary group. And they actually operate not only in uh, in Ukraine and, of course, western part of Russia, but they also operate down in Africa. They're particularly, they operate down in Sudan. So the Wagner Group is one of these groups that's a you know, large group. Uh, they they are they had the leadership that the Pergozin guy that was just uh, shown here o- over the last couple of days on TV and such. So it's a mercenary group. They work for money, period. Uh, when you the one thing that they failed, you know, and if you're looking at, at, at uh, you know, because there's a failed coup when you when you plan a coup, if you don't plan and and if you don't plan to kill the king, you better not you better not execute the coup. OK. And so. Uh, what this did, uh, it, it actually, it, this is going to strengthen Putin, okay? Because remember what I just said, Wagner is a mercenary group. They work for money. They don't work for the loyalty of nations, not love of country, where Putin came out, made a statement, and it was all about love of country, and we're not going to allow this. And, and, and essentially what happened was the, uh, the hierarchy in the, in the military, in the security state, and and I do think that one of the things that Putin was really probably really smart about, and he's, and he's probably uh, uh, working these next couple of days to do it, is he's going to flush out those that were on the side of these mercenaries. So there, there'll be some of that coming to Jesus for, uh, for, the, for those people that were behind, the, uh, that were insiders, so to speak, uh, that, that were part of this coup attempt. Now, the coup attempt failed. Now what's going to happen, this is going to... This is going to uh, cause somebody like Putin, who, you know, like him or, or hate him, Putin is a is the leader of, of Russia and a uh, a nation that feels threatened on their frontiers. Now, when we talk about when we talk about Ukraine and what's going on in Ukraine, I mean, the, the this is one of the this is one war that we have had such. So many lies, so much deception that has come out of our media, particularly the media in this country. I mean, it's so hard to find out what the truth is, whether somebody's winning or losing. One of the things that's very clear is that they're, they're, the war in Ukraine is not going well. One of the things that I read today, Roger, and for your audience, is that now we're starting to hear some of the, the underpinnings of what Russia will now do if they start to receive uh, or fire from some of these some of these missiles that have been provided to uh, the Ukrainian uh, military from the West, principally from the United States of America. And if they start firing uh, from places around the country outside of the of what are what are defined as the limited objectives, which are the two eastern Donbasses and uh, uh, provinces and Crimea, and we're going to see the war escalate. We're going to see it escalate. And one of the things that I, I worry about, I, I, you know, I, I, because we talked about it, and I mentioned it just a little while ago, Biden's even talked about it, and Biden doesn't know which end is up. But when we talk about the use of nuclear weapons and people go, they flippantly go, well, you know, we, we'll, you know tactical nuclear weapons, like, the, like it can be 
minimized because we call it tactical. The, you know, the yield on a on a tactical nuclear weapon could potentially destroy half of Europe. I mean, in some cases, because of the because of the the, uh, the capability and the ability of these uh, of these weapons. So I'm concerned right now that we could move into a place if we don't find leaders, and I'm talking about world leaders who can step in, stop the dying, and decide how is it we are going to end this conflict because this conflict will not end well, and it will and and it will not end well for for either of the West. And this is principally Europe, but but certainly work. We continue to pour resources in their money and tr- and uh, blood and treasure, and and it's not going to end well for Russia either. One of the outcomes of having you know the the a, a different leader in Russia. One of the outcomes is that you may get somebody who is far worse than than uh, than a Putin, right? You may get somebody who says, you know what. We're gonna we're gonna take this one and we're gonna we're gonna go in and we're gonna kick these guys butts and we're gonna move on Europe we're gonna move on Poland we're gonna move on Hungary we're gonna move on Estonia we're gonna move on you know some of these other nations on the periphery of the Ukraine so so we 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 need to now allow for cool heads to prevail the problem the problem is is that when we look inside of our own nation and we look in the Oval Office. We do not have somebody who has all of their faculties, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I, I don't see it. I mean, maybe, maybe there's listeners among your audience that see it. I don't see it. And we definitely don't have a group of global, globalist leaders over in Europe. They all seem to want to continue to drive us to more and more war. Anytime a war is protracted, anytime, in the history of warfare, the longer, the more protracted the war, the more... The more resources are expended, and it's never good for those that have to expend those those uh, resources. And those resources are people in terms of blood and treasure in terms of money and, and, and the cost. So this thing has to end. We've got to stop the dying. We've got to figure out how, how to get the right leadership at the negotiating table. Because the, And I mentioned this briefly, and I'll, and I'll get off my soapbox here on this. There is a global alliance forming against the United States of America. It, 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 it started as, a, as an economic alliance, and it's under the BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South America, or South Africa. And then there are at least another, I'm aware of another six to ten nations that are, that are looking to join this BRICS economic uh, um, you know, group of nations. And that global alliance, as it stands with just the BRICS nations, that's 47% of the global population. The other, these other nations that are considering joining, and I believe the Saudis are one of them, and uh, the Turks are another. There are a couple of others. France is even considering it. We're, now we're getting into the realm of about 70 to 75% of the, of the world's population that is allied potentially economically for sure and, uh, and definitely militarily because China and Russia have a strong, strong military relationship. Most people don't know that the uh, Indians, India, the nation of India, has a very strong military relationship with, uh, with uh, Russia. Russia builds most of the India's uh, naval capabilities. So, so this is not a good place for the United States of America to be. And we are still recovering from 20 years of, of wars that we lost, okay? We retreated from Afghanistan. The war in Iraq has not gone well, and it's still, still so, 
semi-ongoing. We are still, you know, fighting in Syria. So we're, we're still in a place militarily where we have to recover, we have to rebuild, we have to re-strengthen our military. And our military knows, for those military listeners, our military knows that we've been struggling with uh, recruiting. And we don't, have the, we don't have the manpower in this country to stand up to a global alliance. If, in fact, we actually had to go to a, a, a world war-type scenario. And a, a last, last point for me is I am not anti-war, Roger, and for your audience, but I am anti-stupid war. And, and when it comes to what we're facing, we are in a really stupid situation that is so easily recoverable, and, uh, but yet we don't have the right leaders uh, running our country that can uh, achieve that. Again, folks, if you're just tuning in, this is the Roger Stone Show. You're listening on WABC Radio. You can listen on WABCRadio.com. You can download the show later for your friends. Or you can find us at 770 on the AM dial. But I strongly urge you to go get the WABC Radio app so you don't miss any of this great program. We are interviewing General Michael Flynn, the 24th National Security Advisor, retired lieutenant general and my friend. Uh, general Flynn, you made reference to the uh, credible stories about a Chinese spying station in Cuba. President Biden has had nothing whatsoever to say about this, nor has any of his representatives from the military. Uh, and you have opined that this is just the opening gambit for what could ultimately be weapons pointed at the United States grounded in Cuba. What do you think the appropriate response should be from the United States? Yeah, well, if, if so, first of all, well, the, to answer the direct question, the appropriate response should be, you know, not not on my watch. OK, if I were the president of the United States, I would I would be calling G and I would tell him, look, G, not on my watch. Do not go. Do not cross that line and do not you know, go there. I mean, intelligence collection capabilities, listening sites and such, that's one thing. And those, they, they exist. Uh, but when we start to talk about offensive military capabilities or the positioning of offensive naval platforms, like an offensive, a, a naval ship, a naval submarine that has offensive capabilities. One of the things I want to make sure that pe- your, your audience understands, and most people don't, under Barack Obama, Barack Obama gave up pretty much gave up the entirety of the Panama Canal to, uh, to China. When you look at there's, there's this is really an important piece of geography that everybody needs to understand. And, it, and if anybody's been following some of the great journalistic reporting by Michael Yan, who's been down on the Darien Gap, the number of Chinese that are crossing it, uh, into Panama and coming up this way is, uh, you know, it was reported about a month ago. They were coming up at about 1,000 a day. But the Panama Canal is, is almost lock, stock, and owned by Chinese companies, okay, and and they're able to transit the Panama Canal. Whereas in the past they had to go around the Arctic, or they had to go around the you know the the the, uh, the southern hemisphere of, of uh, South America, and they had to go that way. Well, now they can go directly through the Panama Canal, and when but when they're able to go through the Panama Canal, that cuts down so much time and so much uh, uh, in in terms of resources, fuel. All the kinds of things that you can imagine if you had to shorten the trip between China and the Mediterranean, right? 
China and Europe, and that, and by using the Panama Canal, well, we owned it right up until Barack Obama just opened it up and gave it away. And so the, the ability, so the Panama Canal matters because when we talk about Cuba, if we start to see, if we start to see offensive naval capabilities coming through the Panama Canal that are Chinese, right, Chinese naval ships coming through the Panama Canal, where, you know, and, and, and then uh, rotting themselves up into uh, a Havana Harbor or something like that, I mean, that's a big deal. That's a big, big deal. And, it, and it's something that when I look at the, at the sort of the strategic view of the world and I look at how forces are aligning and how nations are aligning and how capabilities, meaning now I'm talking about, you know, carrier battle groups, submarines, uh, aircraft, missiles, the kinds of offensive capabilities that we're, we could find ourselves having to defend our nation from, I start looking at, at the big ticket uh, issues like this, like how do you get stuff from point A to point B? So the Panama Canal I've been paying attention to for the better part of a decade, a decade and a half, uh, almost, almost on a, uh, in some cases on a daily basis. Now with this newest uh, information coming in about the Chinese potentially using Cuba as a platform, I mean, again, back to what I said, not on my watch, not on our watch. And so we should be demanding of our leaders what, you know, and, and, the, and the mainstream media, why aren't people talking about this? I mean, I'm glad that we're able to, to have this conversation on your show today. And, and this is the kind of stuff that we, that we need to be talking about, because if the Chinese get a foothold in, uh, in Cuba, because they already have a foothold in, uh, in Africa. They actually have multiple footholds in Africa. They have a foothold in Algeria. They have a foothold in uh, Egypt. They have a foothold in East Africa, in Djibouti. They have a, fo- a foothold in the Gulf of Guinea off of Nigeria. I mean, the Chinese are expanding their footprint globally, and they see themselves as the, as the 21st century uh, you know, uh, leader of the world. Okay, they are they are going to be the ones that are trying to drive us to a new economic system. You know, this this uh, this global uh, credit system that the Chinese currently use, which which basically means, you know, at the end of the day, it means, well, if you wanted to get if you needed to fill your truck up twice a month, you may not be able to do that. You may only be able to fill it up once a month because the government says, sorry, you've already been out. You know, you've already gotten your allocation of fuel for the month. I mean, that's what communism does. That's what that's what these people in in our country are. There are there is a element in our country, this Democratic Socialist Party of America, these this Marxist left that is driving our country to a version of communism with American characteristics. And we have to we have to have people running our country that understand this. The the, the bureaucrats that are in there right now, many of them are are. And I hate to say I hate to use the phrase bought and paid for because it's not it's not totally true, but they are under this rubric of particularly those in the federal government. They are, and when I say they, this infiltration has been going on in our government. This is one of the reasons why Barack Obama told Trump, "Don't hire this guy," and and I'll 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 get off my 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 dime here, Roger. Had I been able to stay in that job, and there are it's not, and I don't just blame the. The, uh, the, the Barack Obama and his minions, because there are there were some in the Uniparty that were part of this, and that'll come out at another time. But but the had I been able to stay in that job, the Mueller investigation, Roger, would never have occurred, never. Okay, and that's a time when I use the word never. It would have never occurred. We would have not had the Mueller investigation. And I want the 
your listeners and, and, and you and I have had this conversation before that I want your listeners to understand that that is, shows you the egregiousness that Barack Obama perpetrated on the 5th of January 2017 from his Oval Office when they when they conspired and colluded, as far as I'm concerned, to uh, to basically undermine a, a duly elected president of the United States and 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 get rid of one of his principal key staff staff members, you know, in the National Security Advisor uh, of me, you know, where where I, I had more than more than enough capability to serve in that job, having led one of the largest uh, intelligence agencies in the world and had having risen to the top intelligence uh, officer in the Department of Defense and having served in some very, you know, un- under the director of the National Intelligence. So, you know, you, you, so I, I'll, I'll speak for myself in my in my qualities and capabilities. And they knew it. They knew it. Talk about knowing where the where the bodies are buried. I knew exactly. I know exactly where the money's where the money's at and, and how it's spent and how they do it. And frankly, how to break open some of these safes to get to this to these to this evidence, this classified stuff that's been classified for 20, 30, 40 years and make sure that we expose who we are as a nation and make sure that the people of this of our country now can feel a a sense of ownership because they have taken the ownership away from we the people and they are they are pouring it into the federal bureaucracy. And that's not the way our, our constitution nor our founders wanted it to be. Well, unfortunately, we have to leave it there. General Michael Flynn, truly one of the finest Christian gentlemen and patriots it has ever been my honor to know. Uh, A fighter, a warrior, a guy who could have retired and just gone quiet, but who was out there on the front lines every single day, uh, blowing the whistle on what's happening in America, blowing the whistle on what's happening around the world. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. I want to thank you so much for joining us here on The Roger Stone Show. Yeah, God bless, Roger. God bless America. And thank you so much for all that you continue to do to fight for our country. Thank you. Uh, Folks, once again, this is WABC Radio. This is The Roger Stone Show. You can listen to us at 770 on the AM dial if you live in the greater tri-state area where I grew up. Uh, Or you can go to the WABC Radio app to make sure you don't miss any of the dynamic programming here at WABC. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.